Hello, everybody, and welcome into episode number 51 of the Bible 2021 podcast. We are reading Acts chapter 21 today, and our focus is on women in ministry. So this is a daily 10-minute podcast, roughly, where we dig into God's Word by reading and discussing one chapter a day. I want to ask you to check out our website, Bible2021.com, just 2021, Bible2021.com, and I would just implore you to share the show with your friends and family and all of that kind of good stuff. Help spread the word because our goal is to increase daily Bible reading and have as many people as possible join in with us as we break into the word of God every day. So let's open with an interesting point from our friend Where What Huh on our YouTube page who actually brings up something I had not heard before relative to Acts 19 where 50,000 drachma worth of sorcery books were burned. Where What Huh says, a side point on the books valued at 50,000, we tend to think of the value of books as the cost of the books or the value for which they could be sold, but in the ancient world, books could be rented out for duplication. To own a library of popular books could bring a steady income. Thus, when these books were burned, not only does it mean that the owners of the books stopped practicing witchcraft themselves, but also that they gave up publishing these books and renting them out to others. Their repentance was complete and sincere, and their sacrifice not only improved themselves, but the entire community. Excellent point. That's very fascinating to learn. Thank you for sharing that. And now to our main topic, which honestly is going to be shorter than the subject deserves, because this is a roughly 10-minute podcast, and Acts 21 is a longer chapter than normal, so can't spend a ton of time. But the question is, does the Bible forbid women from being in ministry? And the very quick and pretty easy answer is no, it does not. There are passages in 1 Timothy and 1 Corinthians and other places that indicate that a woman should not have direct authority over men in the church, but the Bible not only does not forbid women to be in ministry, the Bible gives us many, many examples of women holding very key ministry positions and having strong spiritual gifts that were used in the early church. And honestly, this is incredibly progressive for this time. Now, the reason I bring this up today is that in Acts 21, there are four female prophets who prophesied. All of them were daughters of Philip the Evangelist. Well, what about the Old Testament? Surely there weren't female prophets or prophetesses in the Old Testament, were there? And the surprising answer is there were several. How many prophetesses are listed in the Old Testament? Which is a good trivia question to stump most Bible nerds. The answer is at least five specifically mentioned prophetesses in the Old Testament. Huldah, Deborah, Miriam, Noadiah, and Isaiah's wife, who isn't given her name. Her name is not listed, but she's mentioned. There's at least one named prophetess in the New Testament, too. Anna. Now, if you can find a person who can give you the names of all five prophetesses in the Bible off of the top of your their head, you should buy them a fancy Starbucks Frappuccino with extra whipped cream and sprinkles. There's also a few false prophetesses mentioned as well, and we're not quite sure about the status of Noadiah, but anyway, f- at least four named legitimate prophetesses and more as well that we don't have their names up. Now, the Jewish rabbis also considered Sarah, Abigail, and Hannah as prophetesses, even though the Bible doesn't name them and such. 
Now combine these prophetic ladies with other early church ministers like Phoebe, who was likely a deaconess, and Priscilla, who taught Apollos along with her husband Aquila, Mary, a hardworking minister mentioned by Paul in Romans 16, Junia, who was noteworthy among the apostles, Tryphena and Tryphosa, hard workers in ministry mentioned by Paul in Romans 16, Aphia, whom the letter of Philemon is addressed to, along with Philemon, of course, Nymphus, who hosted a church group in her home or a house church met there, Chloe, Julia, the chosen lady, of which John, Second John is addressed to, Yodia and Syntyche, who are co-workers of Paul in ministry, and Lydia, who also hosted believers in her home. And that's not a full list. So can women be in ministry? Well, of course, absolutely they can, and they should, just like men. So let's read our passage and then close with Wayne Grudem on Philip's prophesying daughters. This is Acts chapter 21, verse 1 in the Christian Standard Bible. After we tore ourselves away from them, we set sail for Kos the next day to Rhodes and from there to Patara. Finding a ship crossing over to Phoenicia, we boarded and set sail. After we sighted Cyprus, passing to the south of it, we sailed on to Syria and arrived at Tyre since the ship was to unload its cargo there. We sought out the disciples and stayed there seven days. Through the Spirit, they told Paul not to go to Jerusalem. When our time had come to an end, we left to continue our journey while all of them, with their wives and children, accompanied us out of the city. After kneeling down on the beach to pray, we said farewell to one another and boarded the ship and they returned home. When we completed our voyage from Tyre, we reached Ptolemaeus where we greeted the brothers and sisters and stayed with them for a day. The next day we left and came to Caesarea where we entered the house of Philip the Evangelist who was one of the seven and stayed with him. This man had four virgin daughters who prophesied. After we had been there for several days, a prophet named Agabus came down from Judea. He came to us, took Paul's belt, tied his own feet and hands, and said, This is what the Holy Spirit says. In this way, the Jews in Jerusalem will bind the man who owns this belt and deliver him over to the Gentiles. When he heard this, both we and the local people pleaded with him not to go to Jerusalem. Then Paul replied, What are you doing, weeping and breaking my heart? For I am ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. Since he would not be persuaded, we said no more except the Lord's will be done. After this, we got ready and went up to Jerusalem. Some of the disciples from Caesarea also went with us and brought us to Mnason of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we were to stay. When we reached Jerusalem, the brothers and sisters welcomed us warmly. The following day, Paul went in with us to James. And all the elders were present. After greeting them, he reported in detail about what God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. When they heard it, they glorified God and said, You see, brother, how many thousands of Jews there are who have believed, and they are all zealous for the law. But they have been informed about you that you are teaching all of the Jews who were among the Gentiles to abandon Moses, telling them not to circumcise their children or to live according to our customs. So what is to be done? They will certainly hear that you've come. Therefore, do what we tell you. We have four men who have made a vow. Take these men, purify yourself along with them, and pay for them to get their heads shaved. Then everyone will know that what they were told about you amounts to nothing, but that you yourself are also careful about observing the law. With regard to the Gentiles who have believed, we have written a letter containing our decision that they should keep themselves from food sacrificed to idols, from blood, from what is strangled, and from sexual immorality. 
So the next day, Paul took the men, having purified himself along with them, and entered the temple, announcing the completion of the purification days when the offering would be made for each of them. When the seven days were nearly over, some Jews from the province of Asia saw him in the temple, stirred up the whole crowd, and seized him, shouting, Fellow Israelites, help! This is the man who teaches everyone everywhere against our people, our law in this place. What's more, he has also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. For they had previously seen him with Trophimus the Ephesian, and they supposed that Paul had brought him into the temple. The whole city was stirred up, and the people rushed together. They seized Paul, dragged him out of the temple, and at once the gates were shut. As they were trying to kill him, word went up to the commander of the regiment that all of Jerusalem was in chaos. Taking along soldiers and centurions, he immediately ran down to them. Seeing the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Then the commander approached, took him into custody, and ordered him to be bound with two chains. He asked who he was and what he had done. Some in the crowd were shouting one thing and some another. Since he was not able to get reliable information because of the uproar, he ordered him to be taken into the barracks. When Paul got to the steps, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the crowd. For the mass of people followed, yelling, Get rid of him! As he was about to be brought into the barracks, Paul said to the commander, Am I allowed to say something to you? And he replied, You know how to speak Greek? Aren't you the Egyptian who started a revolt some time ago and led 4,000 men of the assassins into the wilderness? Paul said, I am a Jewish man from Tarsus of Cilicia, a citizen of an important city. Now I ask you, let me speak to the people. After he'd given permission, Paul stood on the steps and motioned with his hand to the people. When there was a great hush, he addressed them in Aramaic. By the way, one more Bible trivia question you could stump the Bible nerds with is, what chapter in the Bible has both a silent N and a silent P? Which this one does with Ptolemaeus and Nason. And uh, it's obviously Acts 21, but I doubt many people would know that one. Well, that's nothing important. Let's close with Wayne Grudem talking about the four prophesying daughters of Philip. Dr. Grudem says, when Paul and his companions came to Caesarea near the very end of Paul's third missionary journey, Luke wrote, We entered the house of Philip the Evangelist, who was one of the seven, and stayed with him, and he had four unmarried daughters who prophesied. This must certainly be a record of women who prophesied in the assembly of a group of Christians, for the fact that Luke reports it strongly suggests that Paul and those with him were present while these women were prophesying. The verb used, which was a present participle, also suggests that the prophesying was a regular or continuing occurrence with these daughters. More literally, the text says, to this man, Philip, were four virgin daughters prophesying. So here's one example of women or girls, there's no indication of their age, who seem to have used the gift of prophecy freely in the church. Absolutely. Well, let's close with our verse of the month for February, Acts 9.31. So the church throughout all Judea, Galilee, and Samaria had peace and was strengthened, living in the fear of the Lord and encouraged by the Holy Spirit, it increased in numbers. Amen. Well, may the Lord bless you, friends. Good day to you and Godspeed.